Bedlow, and welcome to Strangers Stopping Strangers, podcast number 42. A big welcome back to anyone who's returning, and thanks for stopping in to anybody who's new this week. Well, this week's podcast, again with last week's, is super-sized and comes in around two hours. It's also the first uh, community podcast, and the community that we are celebrating is the Queer Deadhead Community. Um, where, you know, we really show that we are everywhere and we are everyone. Uh, I found the Queer Deadhead Facebook page via post from uh, my new friend, Joe Rivera, on a Deadhead Company page. I was welcomed on the spot and really immediately saw that this group was very special. It's a place filled with thoughtful friendships, true connections, and really some pretty all-in dead music geeks that really know how to slice and dice a year, a show, or a song. It's pretty impressive. Mark LaPont and I connected about putting together this podcast for the community where we could hear from several of the members from different ages, experiences, and locations, and uh, decided to have it in June uh, for Gay Pride Month, which was, you know, really the cherry on the Sunday. There were so many responses in the group that if time and coordination were a factor, we could have had 30 people on. It was planned to be in person with Mark and Joe, and several people were going to call in on Sunday, June 19th in Boston before the big Dead & Company Fenway show. We had a meetup, we drank some sparkling rosé, and we had a lot of fun. Um, Had everyone on the call tell a quick story, and uh, and, and the time was had by all. But unfortunately, the technology gods were just not with us that day. We did end up recording the in-person part, which is wonderful, but I have to admit, with a bit of an echo, so bear with it, and the callers just didn't end up recording at all. So this all being for our pleasure and fun, and no stress at all, we were off to Fenway for a memorable, amazing show, and figured we'd pick it up the next week. So as many things in life, you know, when there's a problem, we can find a solution that really ends up making it seem like it was the best outcome anyways. And I was able to speak to two of the callers, AJ and Josh, uh, ended up get to knowing them, hearing extended, wonderful stories. I also got a chance to speak with Garrett and Jason, who had fantastic stories and conversation, and then got to see him at City Field, another incredible show, where they waved the Ain't No Time to Hate flag, and on the floor, really did the trick. I was able to get big hugs all around. So while I wasn't able to hear Lisa Jones and Ray Bailey's stories, shout out, hey to them, the part I did hear, it was so compelling that, you know, I'm sure that we'll be in touch and uh, get a part two going. So thank you to the Queer Deadhead community for giving me the honor of sharing your stories, your music, and the love you have for one another and this community. Without love in the dream, it will never come true. So as always, thank you so much for tuning in. Enjoy, and I'll catch you in a couple weeks. five-way podcast, Queer Deadhead Edition for June. Welcome, everybody, to the podcast. Hey, now. Hey, now. So I'm going to, I have two friends here and a bunch of friends on the call. So I'm going to introduce Mr. Mark LaPont, Mr. Joe Rivera, 
And we're going to get started with some of their stories and play their music. And then we're going to chime in with our, our peanut gallery on the phone. Because, uh, you know, we are everyone and we are everywhere. So that's the, uh, that's, that's, that's it, man. That, that's it. That's absolutely. Uh, so we're, we're all from uh, a, a Facebook group uh, and a group called Queer Deadheads. And, uh, you know, there wasn't anything like this out there. I, I, think, I think most of us always felt like we were kind of stereotyped that we'd be listening to Lady Gaga, Madonna, and Broadway shows, and, and we could never find anybody who was both gay and into the Grateful Dead. And so uh, these two guys named Jason Durant and Garen Benfield, they're Brooklyn guys, and they, they, we tried to get them on today. They, they weren't able to make it. Uh, but they they founded the group, and uh, I, I think I think we need to give a little uh, a, a little props to the Gay Fish group because that, because really that's 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 how the Gay Deadheads group started was was sort of an offshoot of Brian Brian, Brian Robert which is the uh, the Fish Gay group, and, uh, and 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 so here we are and and I, and I think strangers helping strangers. What we're here to say is, you know, you're not alone. There, there, there are a lot of really cool gay deadheads out there, and we'd love you to uh, come and come and join us because they're really we're good. Here we're here to recruit. We're here to recruit, exactly. <laughs> gay, 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 by and, 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 and whatever. I mean, we take everyone, actually. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, we love everyone. Straight yeah. people. I mean, you know, if, if, if you're just friendly, we're, 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 we, we absolutely would, would love to have you come aboard the board. We have about, we have a little over 500 people right now. Yeah. On, on the Facebook group. Facebook. Well, it is an honor to be able to meet all of you and to share. And uh, yeah, I'm a I'm a gay man in the straight woman's body. <laughs> <laughs> Here we are. Very um, sexy. Yes, I'm a gay man in a straight woman's body. So uh, you know, come one, come all. Really welcome. Um, but maybe San Francisco, you know, like I, you know, it's I feel like it's just I don't know. I'm from the best city in the world, and a city growing up in San Francisco in the 70s and 80s and 90s where. You know, there was there was so much, you know, so much revolution. I mean, I see mm-hmm. how amazing, you know, the the community is, and uh, and I'm very proud of that. Yeah. In the DNA and about it all. Well, it's a great. It's a, the the deadhead community is great, and 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 uh, our you know our community is great too. I mean, we just have have the most amazing people, and I, I you know we we've met from coast to coast. We we travel on shows, and in our in, in our board, we, you know. The the the, uh, the the Facebook group we have a, a, a board and you know we, we talk we talk like other deadheads talk about we talk about what you know what we saw at the shows uh, we met at the shows and, and you guys seriously geek out yeah. you guys seriously <laughs> geek out you guys geek out more than almost any other thing you're, I'm like way drowning underwater with like the geek out levels and that Cornell seventy seven came out I mean the uh, comments from your yeah. group out I I couldn't keep up. I could not keep up. So have fun. The struggle is real. Yeah, yeah. no, I'm, I'm just here to like swing and dance and have fun. You guys have some real like fucking insights. It was pretty impressive. So, Joe, tell us a little bit about your, um, what brings you to the table here today. So, um, my name is Joe, and I have been a uh, follower of the Grateful Dead since 1987. Um, I grew up in the Bay Area. I grew up in Mountain View, where Shoreline Amphitheater is located. And I've always been fascinated by the whole dead scene, just growing in the Bay Area, you saw it. And it, it something about it attracted it to me, just it being different. Mm-hmm. Um, and... Uh, you know, lo and behold, they were finally, they opened up Shoreline, and they were going to be just like minutes away from my house, so it was like the circus coming into town, and uh, I remember going to the first show, and just having my mind be blown, and granted, I was a, um, you know, a Catholic schoolboy, born and raised, 
kind of en route into becoming a priest um, because, uh, I don't know, I felt like it was a thing to do and I knew I was different and I felt like I kind of had to pray my, my gay away subconsciously. Like, you know, I, I don't, I think, I don't know, that path was, I felt, most appropriate for me because I didn't know how to deal with my feelings. Um, and then, you know, here comes the Grateful Dead and, you know, I, there was definitely some supplements that helped with that. Sure. But just that whole community was like, just like rocked my world. And to be honest, that summer of 1987, um, I was a freshman in high school and also seeing Bob Weir wear a Madonna shirt, a Who's That Girl shirt, it was like, I mean, the universe is saying it's okay, Joe. You can love Madonna because... Lord knows we all should. Uh, but you could also love the Grateful Fucking Dead and just like, I, I like, yeah, I will never forget that, that, that moment. That moment. Yeah, yeah. So, um, yeah, just, it just, everything just kind of snowballed from there. And like every time you kept going, it got better and better. And it was another family, it was another community. And, um, for the most part, my, my growing up and my coming out was pretty positive. But, you know, parents were a little sad at first just because they wanted to protect me. But, as soon as I immersed myself in the Grateful Dead community, it was all love. Like, they didn't care who you were. Like, yeah. it was just so open and accepting. Um, and who doesn't love to dance and have a great time? Like, you know, yeah. regardless if it's, you know, house of music, salsa, whatever, I like to have fun and dance, so. Yeah. Well, you don't see anyone not smiling every day. Right. You know, like, Absolutely. where else do you go in this world where everybody is smiling yeah. and everybody is and by far, it's not perfect, for sure. You know, it's, it's you know, it is a microcosm of the overall society, so it's not always rain, you know, rainbows and unicorns. But, but for the most part, it is the best world I've found so far. Yeah. And I'm, yeah. And, no, I love. And, 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 well, so we always play music on this podcast for all of you joining. So maybe we, starting with the music, and then we'll come back from our first song. Okay. And then we'll hear a bit about Mark's first story. Great. And then we'll get on to all of you wonderful Friends of ours on the phone. Great. So, uh, so you, so the first song you, uh, we're going to do your song. You we're we're going we're gonna to do Uncle John's Band from uh, Lewiston, Maine in 1980. It was an outdoor show. Uh, it was a beautiful late summer uh, afternoon, and uh, the boys they played for they played for nearly four hours uh, that 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 day. It was uh, you know when you put it on cassette tapes back in the day. Nah. It, it, it wasn't two, it was three. Wow. So it was a really long show, but uh, the band played great. 1980 was a really stellar year for the dead, and uh, this was one of these. Um, uh, this is one of these um, uh, uh, shows where they did Uncle John, uh, Uncle John, uh, playing the band into Uncle John's into the wheel into. So, but uh, it was it was it was it was it was a really cool show. It was a great memories. Right on. Well, we're going to play, and then we'll be back to hear some more stories and uh, a couple more songs. So, everybody, ain't no time to okay. eat.
ago on the podcast that I, I, I showed you of the full story, right? <laughs> you got a song and, and all of that. So I want to hear a little bit about it. So I kind of went, went kind of back and forth choosing which song. Um, two kind of pivotal shows for me were the In Concert Against AIDS um, that happened in 1989. Um, that, that day will always stand out for me because it just is being a closeted gay boy who grew up in the 80s afraid of AIDS and so afraid of being gay because everyone was dying to have them come forward and show compassion and love and fuck the AIDS part you ought to just love the person that spoke a lot to me um, but still I was kind of positive so I, I, while I appreciated it um, I don't know it, it's what kind of really um, brought everything together for me was in 1989 there was also an earthquake in the Bay Area the Loma Prieta earthquake uh, it was, you know, it so where like, were you when it happened? I was in Mountain View. I was um, at my, or my parents' house where I was growing up, and uh, it was at 515. We were all watching the World Series, the Giants and the A's, and all of a sudden, just yeah. the ground started shaking, and I remember seeing neighbor's roof up, down, up. It was like a wave, like literally seeing the roof, and then gone. Yeah. And it was like being on a waterbed, uh, so it scared us. Yeah, yeah no, I, I remember that exact moment. Yeah, like, yeah. you have those flashbacks yeah. of that time in your life. And I was in the kitchen making tortellini, um, like, frozen tortellini, like, boiling it with my mom. And, like, you just, you have that, like, mm-hmm. and her being like, what's happening? Yeah. You know, and then, and then by the time yeah. you realize what's yeah. happening, it's over. Yeah. My dad was at that game. Oh, wow. Yeah, yeah. yeah, he was all drunk and hot. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> anyway. Um, so, so, the earthquake happened October 17th, 1989. Um, and of course, like like the Grateful Dead always have, they stepped in and did a benefit concert for for the Bay Area called the Loma Prieta Earthquake on twelve six eighty nine. I'm at Oakland uh, Auditorium, and um, the, and I just remember I was I was still in high school. I was like, I could, uh, starting my senior year, and uh, really was kind of getting into the Grateful Dead. I'd seen them now for a couple of years, and probably about a dozen shows, and just falling in love with the whole scene and to come together for an important cause like your home like just it meant a lot to me um just the whole significance of it and the energy that night was just electric and i didn't even think about it i think i was not remember um remember i took some some uh, fungus (laughs) that night Uh, yes yes some delicious enhancements and i remember i saw this guy who was a, a year above me and it was the first time I kind of had a crush on someone at a show. I mean, not only was the energy like electric, I remember seeing Kevin, uh, and I'm just like, whoa, um, he looks cute. So, anyways, but back to the show. Um, uh, I just remember like the lights went down and the place got dark, and I didn't think that they would open up the shakedown. Like, didn't put two and two together, but it was the perfect opening for for a show. Um, and yeah, I, I love this version of shakedown. It's not the best, but just the energy and Brent is on Way point. Like it. he is just like he made his presence there. So and just at the end of it, you know, just you, you um you gotta poke around and they just sing it with such compassion and like conviction. Yeah, yeah. I love it. Well love it. and again, like metaphorically <clears throat> shake that, like what's right, shaking, right. right? Like the whole fucking barrier. Yeah, literally was shaking. Yes, yeah, the day was shaken, so yeah, no, it's, uh, no, I, I, I listened to what you said to me, yes. I just talking about yeah. it, so, I want to hear it, now that we talk about a song, I think we decided, so we're gonna, we're gonna play it, and then we're gonna come back, and we got a couple more, uh, stories, and a couple more songs. 
back to a shaking it down in 1989 in the Bay Area Oakland Coliseum on December 6th. December 6th. Yeah.
shake a street. Used to be the whole town. Don't tell me this town ain't got no heart. Just got a poke around. Then shake it on shake a street. Used to be the whole town. Shaking on Shaker Street Used to be the heart of town Don't tell me this town ain't got no heart You just gotta poke around Welcome to Stranger Stopping Strangers, Queer Deadhead Podcast, take two. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for having me. Yeah, well, this is, this is more intimate, right? I mean, we had the group setting, but now we get to really talk and, and, and hear your story and, uh, and, and a, little bit more, a little bit more meat around the bones. And I'm very excited. Yay. So, okay, well, so tell me. I mean, you, I, tell, tell us the story. Tell us about um, the magic moment where, where it all kind of came together for you. So um, for a younger deadhead, someone, you know, I'm 25. I was born in 1992. Uh, my whole getting on the bus was actually a work in progress over many years because I couldn't just go and jump and get in with the band. Um, so uh, it's, you know, it's something that you kind of have to find when you're my age. Sure. Uh, my, my parents were teenagers in the 1970s, so I grew up around classic rock, Allman Brothers, Pink Floyd, Fleetwood Mac. Uh, but my parents were from rural South Carolina. Grateful Dead was, you know, very much a Bay Area band still at that time. And I wasn't exposed to much Grateful Dead growing up other than, you know, Truckin' and Casey Jones on classic rock radio. But I had an aunt and an uncle, you know, who had seen Jerry. And after Jerry died, had found a home in Whitesburg Panic. So I grew up around, you know, dead bear stickers and steely tattoos, Bertha posters, skeletons, and it always kind of scared me a little bit. It was kind of dark, but, you know, all of those images were really intriguing and they kind of stuck with me. So when I, you know, started smoking weed in high school, I remember picking up Working Man's Dead and kind of falling in love with the really rich folkiness and countryness of it all. Um, but there weren't any deadheads at my high school. And in fact, I was, you know, a, um, a theater kid. I had just come out of the closet and was about to pursue a degree in classical singing and opera, actually. Um, so when I started attending college in the fall of 2010 in Boone, North Carolina, which is kind of a, you know, famously hippie town, very much full of deadheads, mm-hmm. I suddenly started meeting other people who I could connect with. Um, at this point, I hadn't seen the dead in any formation and was, you know, aware of maybe a fifth of the catalog. Um, but I started experimenting with LSD. And once I started recognizing that all of the classical music, the Mozart, the Puccini and the Strauss, you know, that I was studying in school and the Grateful Dead music that I was starting to dive into had a really complex intersection. And I became kind of obsessed with um, the, the Grateful Dead catalog. 
so I, I saw my first further show in 2013 and then they played a festival, uh, lock-in festival. They played a three night run there. And all of a sudden this music that I kind of been listening to, um, suddenly had a light. And, uh, now I've seen dead and company almost 20 times. Wow. And, uh, I even took my uh, boyfriend who's a fish head. I took him to his first dead and company show last week here in Atlanta. Yeah. Oh, that was such a good show. Oh, my God. Oh, that it was, was ripping. It was hot, hot, hot. Oh, that show. I, I caught some of the stream, and um, it was oh, it was so good. Well, there was, like, thunder during, like, Terrapin Station started, and there was, like, thunder. It didn't rain, but there was, like, lightning and thunder, and it was really, really cool. Oh, it was really cool. But, you know, being someone who became a deadhead post-Jerry is really strange and kind of an interesting place to find oneself. Um, cause you kind of have to make your own, your own path and really search through the music. But, you know, no matter how old you are, you know, the music and the lyrics, they have lessons that try to push you to try to understand, understand yourself, understand the world around you through a really cool kind of mind, mind place. And so, you know, once I really got into that, my next step was trying to find a community of gay deadheads. And by the time I started looking, you know, the queer deadheads page on Facebook had a started a life of its own. I, I joined and became very active almost immediately. And the people from that page are some of the most intelligent, loving, you know, kind people who just, they really love people and they really love the Grateful Dead. You know, I just want to thank them for paving the way for not just younger deadheads, but for the younger LGBT youth as well, representing, you know, trying just to fully be yourself. Absolutely. You know, as, and as a musician, especially a classical one, it's nice to have a group of people to geek out with. You know, as little gay boys, we often hyperfixate on things, whether it's Mozart or Madonna. You know, so becoming hyperfixated or obsessed with something as magical as the dead was, was actually not, you know, not super surprising. So yeah. here I am. No, and you know, <laughs> I love, and I love that you brought up Mozart and, and Beethoven because you know this this podcast has been an evolution. This is uh, this is podcast number forty two here. And, uh, you know, it started off as a bit of a nostalgia and finding people, you know, who had gone to shows. And, and now it's really evolved into, you know, and, and I think the original mission statement was deadheads from all walks of life and all ages. And, and that was my original intention. And then it started off, you know, again, kind of nostalgia. Tell me about your first show or, you know, things of that nature. And now I've spoken to a lot of people that I, I call you are part of this 21st century deadhead. And I absolutely love it. And I love the conversation part where people talk about, you know, Dead and Company. There's so much, or, or a lot of bands, J-Rad and Dark Star Orchestra and so many bands out there where they, there's a, a little bit of a shade on them not being the original band. And what just intrigues me is that, you know, really classic rock music, you know, really post-50s, like post, you know, I don't know, you know, Chuck Berry and Elvis and, and, and pioneers like that. It's all such a new genre of music that I like to make the comparison to jazz and to Beethoven to Bach because nobody talks about them being covered, you know, like, fuck that, yeah, exactly. right? I mean, no one's covering Bach, you know, like, oh, it's not really Bach playing, you know, it's like, so I feel like we're just in the beginning of this, you know, again, this like 21st century adventure where the American songbook is opening up and, and all the great stuff, the Dylan and the dead and the, you know, all kind of Beatles and, you know, I mean, most of Jerry Garcia's band stuff alone is covers, you know, covers. And I, which I love, I mean, I'm, I, Jerry Garcia band is as important to me as, as Grateful Dead. I mean, totally. it really is. No, totally. And I love that. So, I mean, I love saying, you know, fuck you haters. 
You know, like, what do you have to say about Jerry playing After Midnight or Eleanor Rigby or whatever, how sweet it is? You know? Or like, lay down, Sa- or even lay down Sally. Any of it, yeah. I mean, not all of it, but most of it. I mean, I want to say, you know, I don't know if I had to, I mean, somebody will, I'm sure, correct me on this, but I, I don't know, 70% <laughs> maybe? I don't know. Oh, I'm, easily, easily. I'm going with a 70, 70, 75% of the great stuff was all covers, which... It's Jerry covering, so, you know, why can't John and why can't O'Teal and why can't why, – let's keep the music alive for these other generations. Exactly. You know? Well, so now, that you, now, now that you brought up O'Teal, I do have a really interesting story. I know we're, we have a timeline, but I, 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 this is a, I think this is really important for our group. Please. So um, about, this, about this time last year, I had changed my name on Instagram to at Sunshine Gay Dream, mm-hmm. which I had kind of just – I was like, oh, I need a, a good, quirky, kind of gay – but Grateful Dead thing. So I was like, Sunshine Gay Dream. That is a great name. So I changed my Instagram name to that. And um, I was following O'Teal on Instagram. And he posted a picture. And I tagged a bunch of my friends in it. Well, I guess he saw my, my, my Instagram name. And he thought it was funny. And he clicked on my page. And he realized that I sing opera. I'm younger. I'm a deadhead. Kind of all these things that people usually won't, wouldn't put together. And um, he realized that I lived in North Carolina. And this was during the whole, like, HB2, like, bathroom Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he messaged me on on Instagram, asked me for my phone number, and the night before the tour opener in Charlotte last year, he said, I want you to ground up as many gay deadheads as you can, and me and my wife want to come out to a gay bar in Charlotte and meet up with you guys. And we did. And it was so awesome. It was so wicked. I mean, I can't even begin to begin to describe you know and so later that tour and i was i went to alpine and i was in the um i was rocking the rail i got there really early and ran down that big hill at alpine and went ran down to the rail and stood right in front of oteal and the whole night he was looking down at me and smiling we both had mohawks at the time and he just he has been so good to our group he's a he's a member of the group he's met up with other people at shows and you know being it, it just it was so magical and to have an ally in the band, someone in the band who's a part of your gay deadheads page. And he even, the whole tour, he wore that, um, that uh, rainbow guitar strap. Yeah. Our pay, we gave him that. We gave him that pay. We gave him that strap. Wow. I love this. Well, hey now, O'Teal, if you check into the podcast, what's up, man? Yeah. (laughs) What's up, O'Teal? What's up, O'Teal? He's a great guy. Oh, I mean, he's so smiley and happy, and I've never met him. I I have a couple friends that are friends, you know, the whole one one separation um, thing. But, oh, he, I mean, he and the singing, I mean, letting him, I mean, letting him, I mean, him, you know, getting to sing these songs this year has just been, I mean, such a gift, too. You know, I got to catch China Doll and then Fire in the Mouth at Fenway, and, I mean, Amazing. I mean, he's 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 the real deal. Absolutely. He is, and he lo- he's he. And when I met him, he said something so interesting. He was like, that first day at rehearsal, you know, my wife and I didn't know what to expect. He said that John Mayer is the nicest, most easygoing person to work with. It's really sweet, and he and they and he said, you know, they both really love being there. And this this band that we have now is fucking rocking they are killing it oh, i'm grateful for every every uh every moment every tour and uh actually on that note i am gonna sign off on this portion of the conversation because girls got to get ready to go to spack Woo-hoo! yeah, <laughs> yeah, <hell> yeah. <laughs> so 
So, um, yeah. Well, thank it's, you it's so odd. much for, for, for speaking to me. And I got to, you know, I got to say everything I needed, wanted to say because, you know, I, and again, the group, the group has changed my life. The guys, the guys and the girls and, and everyone on the page is just, we, we love the music and we love each other. And, you know, thank you so much for giving us this outlet. We really appreciate it and a place to tell our stories. Oh, it's my honor. And you know what? You, you were mentioning the music. And, I mean, we got so, you know, being chatty chatties, we got so into this conversation. Your music, your song, your pick. Everybody gets a music pick. So, shoot. Tell me the story because I, I know you weren't there. Um, but <laughs> based on the date, but, uh, tell me yeah. your pick and why it is your pick. So we're going to, we're going to roll into your song pick next. So I think we're I think it's July 24th, 1987, Oakland, uh, uh, yeah, Oakland during the summer, Scarlet Begonias, um, uh, with Brent. I love Brent grew up around the eighties deadheads and he just has a special place in my heart. I feel like he's, um, sometimes a little forgot about and underappreciated. So I definitely wanted to pick something with Brent. Um, I think they had a third set with Dylan that night. Uh, but this was before he came out on stage and they just destroyed it with this, just ripping Scarlet Begonia. So I hope you guys enjoy it. Uh, well, you know, strangers stopping strangers. I, 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 I think Scarlet Begonia is on every podcast and everything. Every fun. day. Every day, man. Every day. All singing in yeah. the Heart of Gold Band. Well, right Everyone, on. especially our group. Well, I look forward to seeing you down the road. Are you going to be Are you going to be at City by any chance? Um, so that's actually my birthday. Uh-huh. Uh, they're playing a show on my birthday, and, and I have to work a double. I'm a server, so you know it's hard to get off work. Um, but I, I, you will. I promise we will meet we'll on a meet. tour as show somewhere, and I'm. I look forward to it, Stacey. You are a. You seem like a such a bright, loving individual, and I cannot wait to meet you. Ditto, man. Ditto. All right, well, I'm going to go into some tunes, and thank you, and uh, we'll be in touch. Thank you so much. I hope you have a wonderful day, and have a great show tonight. Hell yeah. Bye. Bye.
Well, Josh, welcome to Stranger Stopping Strangers Queer Deadhead uh, Community Podcast. Thanks. It's great to be here. This is oh, an honor. It's so fun. And, and, and such a bummer that the whole group one didn't work out. But I, I feel like this is really good and fun and, and, and kind of more intimate. Yeah, and that's sort of will be like the lost tapes. We all had fun on our own, and this is where you can present, you know, the stories. But we had a wonderful group chat. Oh, I at like the very you, least. I like how you put that because now people can wonder about like what the lost, you know, like what what we really talked about that they don't get exactly. Right. <laughs> what what tea was spilt in Brookline the other day? <laughs> Nobody gets to hear the tea. It'll all just remain in our minds. Unfit for broadcast, I guess. Absolutely, which would be a lot for this crowd, I can imagine, right? <laughs> yeah, exactly. for us, yeah, definitely. It would have to be some pretty seedy shit to not be able to make the airwaves for my podcast. <laughs> so right on. Well, tell so I, you know, tell everyone your story. It was it was such a beautiful story, and I'm um, I'm excited to hear it again and for you to share. Well, I grew up in uh, upstate New York. Uh, outside of Albany and you know this area has always been real popular for the band I mean we had shows at Saratoga in the 80s and shows at the Knickerbocker Arena in the 90s Um, and I grew up picnicking up at Saratoga State Park and I remember going for a picnic in 1988 we did not know that there was a Grateful Dead show at the time So we show up for this family picnic in the state park and there are deadheads everywhere. I had not really been exposed. I've been exposed to hippies, but not really deadheads. But um, to be at that picnic and see all these people and everything was so colorful and drum circles and just the sights and the sounds just really intrigued me, but I didn't know what it was. And then um, I was in high school and a local head shop had a thing where if you made a purchase, you were entered into a drawing to win tickets. And it was 1992. I got a phone call on a Sunday morning to say, hey, you won the two tickets to see the Grateful Dead tonight. Um, I called a friend of mine to go with me. She wasn't able to make it in. Uh, she had to work, so she was going to meet me sort of midway through the first set. Um, in the lot that day, I had an experience with some enhancements. Mm-hmm. Uh, so... Walking through security, uh, my mind greatly expanded. I was very nervous, and and I was a geeky young kid and didn't really know where I fit in and just didn't know my place in the world, but I knew I was really intrigued by what was going on. So I get through security, and uh, I had always had questions about me being gay. I wasn't sure what it was. So I get through security. I make it through. The guy rips my ticket. And I lift my head up, and the first thing I see is a guy sort of dancing through the hallway with a steely with a pink triangle in the center. And I knew what that meant. And I sort of got caught for a minute. I didn't know, you know, it made it, it made me feel this familiarity. I said, wait a minute, I think I know what that means. And I think I know what that means for me. So I make my way to the seat that I was going to be sitting in and I look next to the seat there's this old school dead head long white beard long white hair leather vest patches I mean it looked like a real Harley old school dead head so I was a little nervous this you know I probably weighed about 112 pounds soaking <laughs> wet I had glasses and braces 
And, you know, I, I sit down next to the guy and I'm kind of keeping to myself and didn't really say much. And he just turns to me and I could feel him looking at me and he, and he goes, are you like president of the Glee Club or something? And I was real flustered. I thought he was going to start harassing me. And I sort of said, well, no, no, no. And I'm stammering. And he, you know, sort of elbows me. He goes, hey, listen, we need some leadership around here. You're now the president. And he kind of laughed. And, you know, he, he could tell that I was nervous and obviously out there a little bit. But he started to talk to me about what was going to happen, how the show was going to be, and how anything goes here. There's no right. There's no wrong. And he totally made me feel like I belonged. He was he was telling people around me, Hey, it's this guy's first time. It's this guy's first time. So, uh, the lights go down. Uh, it's just me and this guy. My friend hadn't been there. They open up with, uh, help on the way. And I had never heard that song before. And it was like a bolt of lightning. This music just all of a sudden started. There was no, Hey, Albany. No, this just, the guys walked down on stage. The music started. And by the middle of Slipknot, I realized, wait a minute, I'm a deadhead. This is the music and the space for me. So, you know, in a span of two hours, I came to terms with the fact that I was a gay guy and I was okay with it. And I also realized I was a deadhead. So, you know, like a bolt of lightning, all these things just sort of hit me at once. And I, spent, you know, the next years of my life up until today being a deadhead. It was, it literally was the greatest thing that ever happened to me uh, that day, uh, accepting myself and then also getting the gift of this band that totally changed my life. I have a, a deadhead boyfriend that I've been together with for five years. We met um, actually through the, the gay and lesbian fishboard, the Brian and Robert group. Uh, he ended up living four houses down from me I, randomly. So, you know, this, this one day totally changed my life. And I, I honestly have never been the same. People laugh, but deadheads know. Oh, yeah. I, I just got say, goosebumps when you told me the story. Yeah. I literally, I'm looking at my arm. I got goosebumps hearing your story because it's just, it's so impactful. And yeah. yeah, and there's not a lot of people out there that have, you know, these these moments of their life that can, you know, shape everything else. And what's so beautiful about the music and the community is, you know, you can have that pivot and then it's there to provide, you know, it's there to, to provide what you need musically, lyrically, community-wise as you go along. So it's like a door opens to a whole nother world where, you know, within the within the music and, and the community, there's there's so much more support you know, as you go yep. through. And that's, that's so beautiful. And I didn't until later really realize the significance of the song help on the way and then Slipknot and then Franklin's tower, because, you know, this guy sitting next to me was kind of sent there for me. He told me things that I needed to know, nothing profound, but he made me feel accepted he was sort of the help on the way yeah. you know i was wrestling with all these things in my uh vastly expanded mind and you know i've had that experience at shows for years i you know i've had people be like you were that guy i've you know taken care of some people that were you know i didn't know them but i could tell they were in some distress and sort of 
sat with them and helped them out of their distress for the moment. I've been helped by people, you know. <laughs> well, that's it. Yeah. I mean, we've all been there. We all may go there again. And, um, yeah, I mean, without love and the dream, it'll never come true. I mean, that's, that's exactly. really become one of my favorite. I mean, that is one of my favorite lines ever, you know, that, again, it, yeah. you can just apply to, to apply to any dream that you have. You know, anything that you're trying to do is just keeping an open heart and, uh, yep. and, and having true intentions. Yeah, and this the the group, uh, the Facebook group, the Queer Deadheads, is made up of a huge variety of people. But the, I mean, we're talking; these are people who have been friends to me that I've never met. You know, have personally messaged me if they, you know, think that I'm maybe you have posted something where I'm not doing so well, or if I'm doing well and I post. You know, these are a, an incredibly supportive group for no other reason than just. We want to spread love. We just want to take care of each other, gay, lesbian, or not. We're a community, and, you know, you can join this group with no commitment to membership. You can come and go as you please. You could have seen one show or zero shows, but a deadhead is a deadhead. We love each other no matter what, you know, where you come from, what you look like, what you do, how you dance. It's just Uh all love. I, I mean, it's so, and no, I, I mean, I, I was, uh, I mean, again, I am a straight woman who has somehow managed to join this group and, uh, <laughs> I was cracking up because, so a little plug to my friends, August 1st. Hey, it's an amazing nice. band and they did this, um, before and after free show at the baseball tavern for Fenway, both the day before and, the, you know, Saturday and Sunday before the game and after the uh, not game, oh, nice. show, before the show and after. So, I mean, it's always such a clusterfuck trying to find your friends. Like, where are you going to yep. be? Where are you going to be? Are you going to be over here? Are you going to be over there? So I just kind of put out the, the post. It's, it's a great band. There's no cover. They're awesome. It's a good spot. Like, why not? You know, it's a perfect spot. So somehow I was somehow managed to like get the queer deadhead. I was the orchestrator for the girl. Oh, nice. <laughs> Which to your point, I mean, so welcoming, so happy, so like, you know, so supportive. And I mean, I, yeah, I mean, I've just met you guys like a month ago or so. And, um, you know, like it's, yeah, I mean, there, there's walking the walk, you know, like who's the exactly. straight chick that's organizing our group setting yep. or whatever. And, so fun, you know, because I mean, yeah. again, we're all in it for the same reason, which is just again being a deadhead and are you kind and and meeting like-minded people, you know, from all different you know angles for sure. Yeah, and let's face it, uh, uh, gay men and women know how to party, not oh, necessarily yeah. get get screwed up, but we know how to party and have a good time and make it fun and silly. And you know, I brought straight friends to different events, you know, be it at Fish or Deadheads with my gay friends and they're like, Whoa, these people know how to have a good time. Oh, yeah. gay, my my straight friends always joke about how there's way more props with uh gay deadheads and fish heads than there are with straight deadheads and I mean you're you're gonna find a feather ball up probably somewhere. Yeah, the, the glow sticks are there, the glitter's oh, yeah. ready to spread out. No, absolutely. I mean again, what is not to love? I mean, for sure. No, I was um I I feel very honored to be included because I mean I've just met so many amazing people and again, you're there for the yeah, for the feathers, for the rainbows, for the glitter, for the light show. I mean, all yeah. of that. That's why we're there. So bring it on. And it's really nice to have you. We uh we appreciate uh that you would take uh, time for your show to put this out there. This is uh it means a lot to us. Uh, to give us a little visibility, we we all know that that's a big deal, and we we so appreciate that. 
Uh, well, I appreciate being friends as well. Well, I'm going to go into the song and then wrap it up because you and I, my friend, need to get ready for Stack where we'll be able to we do. and do a, bi- a big hug. But, okay, so like a true fucking deadhead, you just told me this amazing story, but yet it's still not your song, right? So cause there's just so many to pick from. So I'm like all ready to play Helps at Franklin from Saratoga. But, yeah, that's there's more. So, um, so tell yeah. me a bit about your song pick that we're going to roll into next. Well, the thing that when I first started, you know, uh, hanging out in the the parking lot in 88 and then, you know, uh, when they would come to town was the drum circles. And uh, I became a percussionist because of those drum circles. But the thing that gets me uh, the most at shows and when I listen is the jams. The lyrics are great, but this letting go and this freedom uh, in the music really rolls over into my life to sort of just let go and it's going to flow. It's going to, you know, present opportunities that if you didn't let go would never have. If I didn't let go of my uh, perceptions, I would not be, you know, an out and proud uh, gay guy. I wouldn't have my boy. If I didn't just sort of surrender like the band uh, always did, I would not, I don't know how, how good my life would be. So, you know, for me, the, the jams and, and uh, especially the song Foolish Heart, because it's just such a great song. But, you know, these jams just give me so much freedom. <laughs> it's just amazing. Right on. So I'm going to play now for everybody the uh, Foolish Heart Jam. And this is from Cal Expo on June 8th, 1990. So we're uh, a hot summer day out in Sacramento, California. Fantastic little venue that I um, had some uh, fun mind-altering experiences at myself over the years. Uh, nice. <laughs> I have some many, many, many fun memories at Cal Expo. So uh, let's go. Uh, let's go play a little Foolish Heart. Sign off, and uh, and and we will we will meet up in uh, in a few hours. I'll see you soon. See you soon. Okay. Bye. Enjoy. Thank you. Bye.
Well, Jason and Garen, welcome to Stranger Stopping Strangers. Thank you. Thank you. This is uh, this is so fun. So you are uh, this is the last in the series of uh, chatting uh, with the group. So um, so this is awesome. Thank you so much. Yeah, nice, nice to do it. Very cool. So, I mean, I know a little bit about you, um, Jason. We met briefly in California, so you know, right. kind of a stranger, kind of not really. <laughs> and uh, and Mark told me that you guys um, started the Queer Deadhead Facebook page, and that you would be like a very cool people to talk to because of that. So, I guess my first question is, you know, is to tell me a little bit about how that came about. I mean, my my perspective on it is is brief but sort of interesting, which is just that, you know, one day I came home from work or whatever and Jason had started this thing, but I didn't even know that at the time because he started it under a pseudonym, which I think was um, Ruben, Ruben Sharif. Sharif. <laughs> <laughs> wink, wink, you know. So, so I just was like, oh, that's cool. You know, I, it never even occurred to me to do it. I mean, we've we had sort of had this community burgeoning for a little while. And, and, and um, I think at that point, the Brian Robert thing had already been going. And so there was sort of a need for it to be more specifically geared towards the Grateful Dead scene. And so he um, just took it upon himself to do that. And, and I thought, Oh, that's cute, you know, and not to get ahead of ourselves, but I never would have guessed that it would become what it is becoming right now, you know, which is, it's been cool to witness. Absolutely. No, I mean, a really committed community of people and friends, you know, it's amazing. Well, the idea was sort of like much older than us. I can remember in the 90s, someone giving me a sticker that said, ain't no time to hate. Uh, and it was the pink triangle and it said queer deadheads on it. It wasn't an organized group or anything, but there were people out there sort of operating under the idea of queer deadheads. And uh, we were meeting up, this is much later, but we were meeting up at shows and we didn't have any real way to communicate and the Facebook group thing was sort of really taking off. And I started the group uh, under a pseudonym because I didn't want it to be associated with any person or any location. I wanted it to sort of feel anonymous. Mm -hmm. So we did. And then we just started sending out invitations to people. Actually, I did. I don't think Garen knew about it for a few months or something when uh, he actually found out that I did it. But um, we just started adding people to it, and then it kind of took off on its own, which is sort of what I think was a, the better way for it to grow. Oh, yeah. No, I mean, everything, when it happens organically, I mean, it just it, there's no pressure. It just feels really comfortable that way, for sure. Right. You probably, I imagine, you know, talking to other people, you've had this sticker referenced by other people, I would guess, you know. When I, I was, first, my first show was in 87, and Jason's was in the early 90s, and that, it's, that started to appear in the lot, and yep. at the shows and yep. stuff, and it was sort of like, um, it reminded me a little bit of, you know, in like, the time of Jesus when they would like write the put the fish on the wall. <laughs> right, right, right. <laughs> sort of like indicate you're safe here or whatever, like Christians yeah. are safe in this house. Oh shit, a spider just crawled up my leg. Um, <laughs> ah! <laughs> oh my god. Um seeing it, you know, pop up here and there, it was like this little voice from the underground or something. And you yeah. just it just made I don't know. I I felt like the dead scene was almost like on the vanguard in in a way in terms of its acceptance of gay people. I don't think there was any other rock and roll scene that was like you know going out of its way to um, 
to do that, you know. But I think it's part and parcel with the band and with the lyrics. And again, organic. I don't even, I I certainly don't know, you know, where the band was coming from. By no means, you know, do I have any insight. But I mean, when you think about what the band stands for, and again, and the lyrics, Ain't No Time to Hate. I mean, there are so many lyrics. Um, Today, incidentally, is Robert Hunter's birthday. And I did my little Instagram post. And I just wanted to pull up like a couple of quotes to put on. Because, I mean, the music is just just shapes everything and you know i mean once in a while you can show them the light the strangest of places if you look at it right i mean that's just welcoming to everybody and like you know what i mean like i feel like just that was one that i picked today um i feel like it's i feel like it goes hand in hand with you know people all dancing to the beat of their own drum and just you know color and music and again i I don't know i think it all makes sense to me i can remember being 18 at my first show and just sort of getting lost in the lot and just imagining that the whole thing had this sort of everybody's doing their own thing together kind of vibe. Yeah. That sort of judgment free, not, you know, obviously there are exceptions to that, but there was an overall sense that you're supposed to do your own thing and you're supposed to be yourself kind of like a like a benevolent fuck you to the rest of the world and i identified with that very strongly and it was a huge part of my coming out of the closet that makes a lot of sense yeah i mean that what you guys are touching on the sort of iconoclastic iconoclastic sort of the boosterism of the iconoclast or something like that i mean it's just like be yourself at all costs you know just don't hurt anybody else right yeah and that's sort of the message, you know, like Liberty, you know, the lyrics in that tune are a great example of that. And I think that's where, where I think Jerry defined the sort of ethos of the band within that spirit. You know, it was just sort of like, do your own thing. Just don't fuck with anybody else. This year. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, I mean, I, I think and I think that that's the thing with it, with the Deadheads. I mean, I think we all kind of find the music and initially find each other because it is a matter of finding your people, finding your tribe, fitting in, you know, I mean. I think that that's, I think, and I think it's part and parcel to the community. It certainly is to my story, you know, when I was in high school and just sort of, you know, trying to find, you know, where I fit in. And it wasn't under, you know, my my sexual predication, but it was my social predication and who I was and discovering who you are. So I, I think that they do go hand in hand that way. Yeah. Now, you know, having said all that, I wouldn't, I don't, I wouldn't want to paint too rosy of a picture of what it was like when this whole thing was starting. And I don't mean the queer deadheads Facebook thing. I mean, back in the late eighties and stuff. I mean, it was still a harsh environment for being out. I would say, you know what I mean? And that's why I sort of referenced, you know, how it was sort of like a little secret wink, wink or a, a, a signal. Right. 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 It was not, it was still a homophobic scene. Um, and just less so this may be less so than, you know, Ozfest or something. Uh, <laughs> Probably. Yeah. Just a little bit less. Absolutely. It, it still wasn't, you know, and I, I have one little, you know, anecdote about that, which is just, you know, and I think it was the 94 outs in, um, Eugene shows. Um, <clears throat> I thought to myself, it would be a great idea to petition for gay marriage legalization in Oregon. In Oregon, they had something going on at that time. It was on the ballot. And so I was like, "Oh, this will be great. I'll wander the parking lot and you know, gather signatures." Um and that didn't work out how I expected at all. Of course, I took LSD before I did it. <laughs> 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 for stripping. 
you know, and I was just getting rejected right and left and people were just being like, what? You know, and there's sort of like a, the demographic up there is, can be a little bit woodsy or whatever. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. So, um, but that was, that was sort of a harsh eye opening thing for me for sure. You know, I realized it wasn't quite the utopia I thought it was, but as, as the words crawled off the page, mm-hmm. <laughs> right. you know, but. So, okay, well, so I'll, I, I imagine we could just chat and chat and chat forever. So I am going to bring it back to the music and, uh, and back to the, the songs. So we each have a song pick, and, you know, I want to hear about the songs and what the songs, you know, definitely, you know, how it got put, chosen, because that's always the hardest thing is picking a song when there's, you know, so many favorites, I'm sure, to be able to choose from. So let's... Um, Garen, let's hear yours first. Tell me a little bit about how you how you arrived at this conclusion and, and the meaning about it for you. Well, I mean, it's a, it was a bit of a lark, but um, so it's called Antwerp's Placebo, and it's 40 seconds long, and it's on the album Go to Heaven, which is, I mean, probably the most derided, you know, Just album that they made. Oh, yeah. Everyone loves to hate that record, you know. <laughs> But what I like about that is that even the band had issues with it. And I think Mickey Hart insisted that it be on there. And it's this one little glimmer of weirdness amongst this very disco-y, highly polished record. And I just love that it's like we that, you know, I imagine a conversation where they were like, this is not going to press without Antwerp's placebo, you know what I mean? <laughs> Which had nothing to do with the rest of that music. And to me, that's just such a Grateful Dead stance to take. Yeah. And, I, you know, I mean, it's, it's, not, it's not actually my favorite Grateful Dead song or anything, but it's just, I just like what it symbolizes, I guess, you know? And well, so, yeah. No, I think, I think that's awesome. And again, who really can pick out their favorite Grateful Dead song? I mean, that's like yeah. a near impossible task, right? It's an easy out, you know? No, it's way too broad. Well, let's go and hear that. And it's only 40 seconds, so yeah. we will be right back. And, uh, and then, Jason, I want to hear a little bit about, uh, a little bit about your song and, um, and how we got to that. So good. listening to Antwerp's Placebo, and we have more to talk about. So, I mean, you guys, I mean, it's so cool that you are, you know, that you're together and that you share the same passion. Um, so, you know, t- tell me a little bit about about how, how that goes. I mean, I can't really overemphasize how cool I still think it is and how lucky I feel that we are, that we share this thing, you know, that it's not just a casual um, affection for one genre of music. Because as we know, this is way more encompassing than that, you know? What we have, what we lucked upon in our relationship is like, it's, a, it's, it's like a metaphorical springboard for almost everything, you know? 
you know, the way we socialize, um, the way we think, approach politics, the way we appreciate art, the way we converse, in my opinion, is just like the dead going from a song into a jam, you know, the sort of improvisational idea. I mean, it has everything to do with, at our best, I feel like, how we get along uh, and who we are as people and stuff. And, you know, to be able to have that together and like when we're when we're not getting along, you know, one of the things like if we go through a couple of days where we're just we're fighting or something, we can. I I know that. Well, no, because then I'll walk in and say, "Did you hear what Dead and Company played last night?" And then the whole thing goes away. Yeah. So. Or we sit down and we listen to a, a, a something together, and stuff tends to dissolve. Yeah. And so it's just a really useful thing to have in our relationship, you know, it's, it's cool. And, and on a practical level, I, I to, to this day, and we're going on 17 years together this year, our, one of our favorite things to do, literally on a Friday night, is to uh, have a couple of glasses of wine, smoke some weed, and watch Grateful Dead videos and tell stories and make jokes. Uh, more than once, we've had like, the cops knock on the door like they're busting a party, and then they open the door, and it's me and Garrett sitting on the couch drinking Chardonnay and listening to the Dead. <laughs> Can what? I come over, please, please, please? Because <laughs> it sounds so awesome. <laughs> oh my goodness! Chardonnay, they're like bust it up. <laughs> that is so great. Well, I'll bring the Chardonnay. I'll bring a whole arrangement of uh, of white wines. So. Um, I, I come packing with wines. We can uh, you can do a Chardonnay, Sauvignon Blanc, Riesling. You know, we can we can uh, we can pair the wines with the music. Oh, that's a great right. idea. Actually, <laughs> that hasn't been done yet. There must be an app for that. There must be an app for that. You know, like what's the uh, what's the music you know equivalent to a Pinot Noir, to a Chardonnay, or to a I don't know. Let's let's do it for a minute. What do you think? What's the what is the association like? Um, what is the Grateful Dead Cabernet? Oh, well, I mean, for like oh, a, the Grateful Dead Cabernet. I think song. I was thinking like for a rosé, you might do an 83 for like a stranger. <laughs> oh, you're getting more specific than me. <laughs> <laughs> well, that, we're talking about the dead. This is as specific as I can get, you know. Oh, I was, yeah, I was, I was kind of thinking like more like the classic ongoing, like, I don't know. I don't know. I mean, like, like what, like what's. You know, like a bold song versus something that's more delicate. Like I could say, like Uncle John's band is like a Pinot Noir. You know, like it's uh, it's got like the power. What do they say? It's a uh, um, about Pinot Noirs. It's a iron fist in a velvet glove. Yeah. And a little bit jammy. And a little bit jammy, but just you know what I mean. Like just kind of has like that. It's bold but soft at the same time. Right. When you were talking about Cabernet, I was imagining like, you know, chewy piece of steak kind of on the side. And I thought of Slipknot like that's Slipknot might be the Cabernet of Grape of Dead. OK. Mm-hmm. What do you think? Let's let's do one more. What's a good. Um, well, we mentioned Rosé. What about Champagne? What's the Champagne? What's the bubbles? I was thinking Champagne. I might do um, like. Sugar Magnolia? Yeah, I was thinking like an upbeat Bob Weir tune. Right. You know, yeah, Good Lovin' or something. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> well, um, that's awesome. So let's go. So the next song, the next song we have picked is Foolish Heart. So yeah. tell me, um, Jason, a little bit about like where we came to go to that one. For me, Foolish Heart, it, it's one of those sort of like classic, Hunter Garcia compositions, right? One of the la- in the vein of like Franklin's Tower and Eyes of the World, sort of like your hippie rock 
anthem kind of vibe. And I love, you know, lyrically, I absolutely love it. But that particular take on it um, has a couple of passages where Brent is just right on Jerry's ass, chasing him around and sort of gets out ahead of him a couple of times. And then Jerry starts chasing him. And the two of them just sort of, they're like, take it out for a walk. And it's, it's super playful. And they, it just feels like they were having a good night. Whatever might have been going on, the two of them sort of were kind of making a go of it. That's awesome. No, I mean, the one thing that's so fun to me about this podcast is getting to hear all of the different music and songs that people select, you know, because I, I mean, I don't have the, um, you know, I, I don't have the vastness of the, you know, as most of the guests. I mean, it's kind of a fake it till you make it, to be honest. I mean, I love the music and I love the lyrics and I love the community and the shows. And it's it's part of, you know, my DNA. But as far as the technical parts and the the, the breadth of the um, the catalog, I'm I'm learning something new every day, you know. So um, so it's so much fun to get to hear other people's picks and then be like, oh, yeah, you know, like I would have never heard that before. Well, you know, if, you know, someone actually listens to this version all the way through, there is something kind of queer about the relationship with Jerry and Brent. Like, they are super affectionate with each other. When you watch the videos, when Jerry's looking over at Brent, Brent's face is just bright and beaming and excited. In this particular version, you can feel that Brent has Jerry's ear and he's just excited about it. And there's all these trills and just these beautiful lines in the piano. And there's something about these two guys sort of bonding over music in a very loving way that I, I don't know if I would say it's gay, perhaps, but it sort of it definitely breaks the traditional idea of how men are supposed to interact. Well, yeah. I mean, I think that that goes for, um, you know, the, the brotherhood element of the band members in general. It's such a beautiful thing to observe. You know, their chemistry on stage and like in, in, I don't know if you've seen some, you know, group interviews with them, just the way they just finish each other's sentences right, and their right. sense of humor and stuff. I just love it so much, you know. No, I, I agree. And I mean, I'll be honest, I don't really watch a ton of other interviews, especially like current and, you know, things of that nature or even that many shows. But I love the way when they finish the show, you know, if they're doing the second two shows at one spot, like the Fenway or Shoreline, or if they're just doing one I love just the hugs you know where they to your point like they come out and they're just you know there's just this so like this tactile affection yeah. you know amongst them and the hugging and I again I don't really think that other bands do that I can't really say for sure but um not not that I can imagine right Bobby has this thing that he says that that um that what they have is thicker than blood um their connection, you know, and it's just what they've all been through as sort of psychedelic warriors mm -hmm. and 50 freaking years of playing together and, and, and people dying and, and yeah. you know, personal changes according to that. And also just the nature of the music, how risk taking is so imbued in the music. You can't go through that many years of doing that with, people that they don't they're not your brothers because you walk up state i'm a musician and so i have a little bit of a a little bit of a unique perspective on this not you know it's not like no nope, you know but i i have a perspective that's as a musician and i know that like when you survive situations like that where you step off a cliff with other people you feel like god we made it man you know what i mean that kind of thing well i suppose if you bomb at woodstock your brothers for life yeah <laughs> 
Absolutely. They, they, uh, and they're so they're they're they they owned it so so hard about that too. You know, they're like we sucked. It was terrible. It was like one of the worst shows ever. Unapologetically, yeah. Yeah. No, I think uh, I know. I think that that's a big part of it, again, the humility of it all, too. You know, some days are great and some days not so much. And I think what's so neat too is just the communal sharing between the audience and the band. You know, because I think so much of it is about how are you feeling that day and how are, you know I feel like that 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 cosmic share is again something that's like really unique amongst everyone. It's yeah. incredibly unique. I mean, incredibly unique in show business. This idea, I mean, as a, as a small example, you know how the audience always cheers when Bobby forgets the words. Right. Yeah. I mean, that is such a beautiful thing. I know we're all, you know, used to it by now, but every time it happens, <laughs> I just almost well up with tears because I'm just like, that is so fucking cool. Yeah. People are just like, you're just like us, you know? Absolutely. And that, that third wall that they talk about, I mean, it's just completely broken down at times with them. I just love that. No, I I totally agree, and I love I love having John in the band too. I mean, it's been that this this iteration of the band has just been so much fun. Everybody just looks like they're having the best time, and O'Teal and Jeff. I mean, all of them they've just gelled so well together, and um, I think it's so interesting listening to you know all of the different opinions because Lord knows there's a million of them, especially on social media. But um, but I I, I think it's um. I think it's good. I think it's really good. I think we're, we, I think that for the most part, we're really grateful to be able to have a chance to experience this. Yeah, and I don't think the gays mind having a little eye candy on stage with John Mayer either. No, uh, n- neither do the neither do the straight women. I can it's assure you. <laughs> but I mean, it's interesting. I've I've sort of tried to analyze. You know, to what degree is that influencing? Because I've I've got you know I've gotten in some fights with people about him online. I, sometimes I'm just like, I don't know, man. I think it just comes, maybe it just comes down to he's nice to look at. <laughs> well, I mean, yeah, I know. I, I mean, I have a joke. I'm putting this on the podcast. It's so completely a joke for anybody who is listening. This is a joke. I don't want to be controversial here, but, uh, you know, when they were picking John and there was a lot of controversy over where he was, I was like, John just gets way more ass afterwards than Trey would have, you know? I mean, like, if you're going to pick someone to go on tour with, who's going to bring a better quality of ass backstage afterwards? I mean, that's it. That was the final final. Like, when you had, you know, your your line, your two columns lined up, you know, that, that would put it over. Right. Well, if, if we maybe we could just talk about John Mayer for a second, because I, I actually, you know, for me, I, I feel like I found redemption in The Grateful Dead. You know, when you grow up, uh, gay going on 40 years ago now, like you feel as if there's something wrong and that you need something other than yourself to uh, be better. And the Grateful Dead sort of like informed me that I could be myself. And, and you know, John Mayer sort of took a nosedive. I don't know if you remember the Playboy interview and he said some really off-color things and then oh, yeah. he became such a pariah and then he found redemption in the Grateful Dead and he looks happy again and he seems more humble and he seems more himself. And I feel somewhat identified with that experience that he saw, you know, people who could be themselves and could be their better selves and could, you know, move on from the way that they used to be or what they had tried to be. And I, I'm really proud of the fact that John Mayer is part of this band. It's, I feel like it, it's, I don't know. It says something about who we are as deadheads. And by deadheads, I mean the Grateful Dead themselves as deadheads, that we all are able to say, look, you're part of the family now. Yeah. 
and he certainly is, you know, playing the shit out of the songs too. Right. So, I mean, there's definitely from a technical aspect I mean, God, you just watch him play. And, um, I mean, it's, it's just, I mean, again, all of them, you know, I mean, to watch Jeff play is, I mean, Jeff has, you know, obviously been kind of part of the crew for a long time. So it's not as much, you know, with, with Bobby and, and, um, not as transformative, but just in terms of just the level of um, musical talent, it's just unbelievable. So, yeah, I mean, I wanted to, I want before we move on to that, which I would like to <laughs> comment on briefly, but I also just want to say on the level of him as sociologically speaking or whatever, him as a person and what his personal failures were and him as a partner and as a ladies man and all this stuff. I think that, um, on the level of John Mayer and his sort of personal failures or his propensity for partying and stuff like that, I think that Bobby sees himself in him, maybe a younger version of himself. And uh, there's a real kinship there. I see it on stage. There's a real um, simpatico between them. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Beautiful to observe. Both you know? child stars, both sort of hotties in their prime at a certain point. And then um, the other thing I was going to say, well, what do we move on to from there? Because it was really interesting. Uh, the other members, Jeff and Otila. Oh, just, yeah, you mentioned, you know, he's playing the shit out of the song, Stacey. Oh, yeah. I can't, I mean, I think it's one of the great undiscussed things is the fact, is the amount of material he had to absorb, and he's doing it on stage seemingly without a teleprompter unless they have it really hidden somewhere. And I just can't even believe it. I'm just yeah. like, how did this kid, and I say kid, you know, just to emphasize that he's way younger than them and stuff. I mean, how did he absorb all this material so quickly and play it with such, like, he's inside it? Yeah. It's pretty amazing. I mean, I don't I don't see where people really get off complaining about much of anything, really. I mean, it's just, you know, but... No, I have, I have, I have no argument for you on any of it. Absolutely, no. I mean, I think he, he, he looks hot. He sounds hot. They're having such a good time. Yeah. Um, I mean, what it reminds me a bit of, and I, I may have said this on a podcast before with John and um, and Bob. It reminds me kind of of like when people have. I'm a big dog person. I have three dogs, and I mean, I love, love, love dogs. Of when somebody has an older dog and they get a puppy. You know, and, the, and then they say like the older dog kind of springs back to life again and is like chasing the puppy around and all of that. I mean, I, I see that there, too. Would you would you agree with that? Yeah, for yeah. sure. It's a pack, you know. Yeah. No, it's it's uh, it is. And I love, you know, it, it it has that purity, which I see again with with the animals, you know, it's because um, they're just they're so pure. Yeah. This the, the sweetness. Well, we ended up talking and talking and not playing Foolish Heart. So <laughs> I am going to go in and play Foolish Heart because I don't want to miss the song. Listen, it's and that then, good. It needs that much time for an introduction. So it's it, this is a long ass introduction for one song. So I'm going to play that, and then there's one other story I'm going to ask you about when we get back, and then we will uh, sign off and say goodbye. So everybody enjoy. We are going back to Hartford um, in the March, March 19th, 1990. Right, right. Enjoy.
Well, back from listening to Foolish Heart, and there is the one question I was like dying to ask you that Mark told me to ask you that I haven't. Um, so tell me, I got the part two story of O'Teal wearing the rainbow strap at the shows, um, and from AJ about going out at the bar and, and hanging out. So tell me a little bit about where you guys come in with that story. So, um, yeah, I mean, he became a member of Queer Deadheads, I believe, through AJ, and um, I, I think expressed that he wanted a rainbow strap on the group, which I have, uh, or had at this point now. Now it is. Yeah. <laughs> and um, so it was between the two city field shows in uh, Brooklyn last year, and... Um, I offered to deliver it to him at his hotel uh, via Facebook. We communicated. And um, he was like, oh, man, you know, I could sometimes you can just tell through little pithy comments that people make online or whatever, what, you know, something about their character. And he just seemed like such a nice guy right off the top that one of those people that um, everything you think about them on stage, it turns out to be true in real life, you know, and he's one of those guys. The good energy that he projects while he's playing the music is is real. Um, so on Pride Sunday last yes, year, so it was Pride Sunday, so it was like definitely you know fighting through a little bit of a hangover, which I'm <laughs> happy to do. But um, I went and met him at his hotel before they got on the bus to go to the venue for sound check or whatever, and um, I walked into the hotel lobby to meet him and. All of a sudden, I'm like, oh, that's Donna Jean Gotchow uh, in the lobby. So I got to meet her, too, which is very cool. Um, so we hung out for a couple minutes, and she said, oh, yeah, Oteal will be down soon. And um, I gave him the strap, and he was you know, just super appreciative, very friendly. We took a really nice picture. And um, that night, he had it on at the show, and then he wore it for the rest of the tour. And this tour, he's been wearing it on and off. He's been alternating, which I need to talk to him about. <laughs> <laughs> but, need to give him a little earful about that one. Exactly. Um, no, but, you know, there you go. That's the story. It was just, it's cool. It was very, um, I noticed that he's been breaking down barriers with not just our group, but with other people on tour. I've seen pictures on Facebook. He's, he's the most, I would say without question, the most accessible member of the band. Um, and I know that means so much to people. I mean, Absolutely. it means so much to people to have that contact and to just have real human interaction with some, uh, some of these, you know, people that are in the living room of the gods, as they say, or whatever, you know, so. And, and you get the sense that he's just one of those personalities that is able to rise above whatever is happening and sort of shine light. And, and bring the best out of people. And you just get that feeling the way he is on stage. You know, he's the guy up there dancing while he's performing. But also, you know, you see him in interviews and photographs and you hear the kinds of things he's talking about. He's just one of those bright lights that I think is a really great uh, figure to have up there on stage. Always smiling. He's always so smiley. He's yeah. just got, I mean, yeah, he's just, he just is so... Yeah, no, I, I, I don't even know quite the right word for it, but yeah, it's 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 pretty cool. Barefoot and grooving <laughs> and just dancing around and just the right energy that that band needs. Right, um, being an example. 
And I guess I also left out just that he said, you know, he wanted something to be able to show support for our community. That's what that's what he said. So wow. it, it was very it was very specific and symbolic. And it was during the um, North Carolina bathroom law thing that was going on. Uh, so, you know, and there was some marriage stuff that was in the news at the time too. There was a wasn't that was right around in or was it Orlando, Florida? Yeah, there was that. That's right. Yeah. That had just happened. Yeah. That that was horrible. Yeah. 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 That was right. Yeah. All yeah. Early June of last year. Um, and we were yeah. we were in the pit last year that night, and we probably met fifty people because we were so excited to tell everybody within like a hundred yards of us that he was wearing Garen's guitar stuff. <laughs> That is so cool. Well, you 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 guys are going to be there tomorrow, right? Oh, of course. Yes. Yes. Are you going to be? Well, then we will meet. I mean, again, you know, and, and meet in person, and 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 uh, and yeah. So we'll uh, offline. You know, after we wrap up the podcast, we'll be in touch. But um, it's uh, it's the last show of my mini tour is uh, is tomorrow. So I'm um, I'm pretty pumped up about it. It's I think it's going to be a great night. Yeah, they 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 always bring it from New York. That's right. That's right. Are going, we're going to get Rambling Rose? Uh, well, they did that last year, so who knows if they pay attention to that stuff as much. But, yeah. I think we're going to get Birdsong in the second set. That's that's my only prediction. That is a good prediction. I Very cool. Well, it was uh, wonderful. And, uh, and yeah, we'll, uh, we'll meet up tomorrow. So uh, to everyone who's listening, bye. 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 Thanks for listening to today's show. To check out more great cannabis podcasts, go to podconnects.com. Here's a preview of one of our other shows. Season one of Dope History is now available at dopehistory.com. Dope History weaves you through the lives of those who have been touched by cannabis or have had an influence on the events that shaped our laws or relationships with this plant. You'll hear tales from Frenchie Cannoli, Keith Strop, Eddie Lepp, Tom Alexander, Ed Rosenthal, Wolf Seagull, Jorge Cervantes, and Tommy Chong. Available now at DopeHistory.com.